Hey everybody, this is Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode 13. This season, we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit. And today we're diving into chapter 12. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I am the director of Goddess Kindled Universe and I am a women's fiction author. Lots of magic and fantasy thrown in there. I'm here today with my co-host, the beautiful Alicia. Hey, Sandra. Yeah, I'm Alicia, fiction author and um, excited to be here. (laughs) It's so strange just to be so simple about it, but that's it. Yeah. Does it still feel good? Yeah, it does. It does. I actually have something in my prophecy kind of about all this. So Oh fantastic. Fantastic. I haven't read the I haven't read your bit of a sheet. So this is gonna be I lo I kinda like it when it's a surprise for me too. Yeah. Yeah. So well let's get straight into Polgar's cup. Okay, I'll go first. Yeah, what's your what's in your potion? Uh, it's a warm cup of homemade coffee, but I had to select two drinks because, and this is like decaf coffee, I don't do caffeine, plus lots of water because the coffee is for all the reading I've been doing because I, I read three books last week. Well, in the week from the time we recorded till now, I mm-hmm. suppose. And um, that's really all I've been doing is reading. And then I'll go into like med- like kind of meditation, but just really just being present with everything. Yeah. And um, I'm, I've been, as you know, some of the stuff I've been going to a lot of places inside of myself that are deeper than I've gone before. And I'm mm-hmm. finding them to have, be it's very beautiful for me to go there mm-hmm. and just welcome all of that stuff mm-hmm. so that's kind of the place I've been in um, and it's just been really peaceful really centering I guess mm-hmm. and so the waters I've been drinking lots of water to detox the old emotions that come through which mm-hmm. is interesting I found it actually pretty easy as they come up to just be like oh you're there okay and just let it pass through and feel better so that's kind of been my whole week really I I did a couple of things like took the girls on a play date and that stuff but that's really it you know and then yesterday it was just uh you know the girls are back home from school um learning from home at the moment just because with the school's precautions, they had to send Alexis home for some allergy stuff that she was having, and they didn't know if it was a contagious thing. So we are waiting on a COVID test, mm-hmm. and as soon as that's back, they'll be able to go back to school. I'm really hoping it, it comes in today so they mm-hmm. can go back tomorrow. <laughs> it would be perfect. Yeah, I hope so. so, too. Yeah. But that's it for me, really. it's Like I said, it's very simple this week well yeah simple on the surface and peaceful mm-hmm. deeply peaceful it sounds beautiful i've actually yeah. done lots of reading this week too but my reading has been 
well because the book was the book the series was amazing I had to keep reading yeah um but it was also my it was escape from the stuff that I was um going you know the stuff that I was doing I'm I'm I think I put it in here I did so my potion mm-hmm. is a warm relaxing brew of anise fennel verbena hibiscus rosehip and apple I looked up a recipe for relaxation <laughs> a relaxation yeah. brew Mm-hmm. Um, this week um, I've just been reading while the rain kind of hit the windows. It's beautiful. I love that kind of yeah I do time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just reading, 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 reading. Three huge books in this series, and it was just wonderful. So good that I've gone back to the first book again, uh-huh. and I'm reading it. Um, <laughs> but like it is slowly. And I've noticed uh-huh. two pieces of information, just little tiny details yeah. that I missed last time. Yeah. Because I was like, you know how you are when you're excited about reading a story. The story's amazing. Yeah. You just anyway, so um yeah. I went straight back to the start and started reading it again. Um but this the escape was oh and Dutch lessons. So I've been using reading a Dutch lessons to like get away from all of the angst and old patterns of imposter syndrome that were being activated. Um, being, I, that's distancing language. I was activating it myself. Um, yeah. As we do, you know, like we are the activators of our patterns. Mm-hmm. Whether we try and put it on someone else or not, we are the activators of our patterns. Um, and it's, ta- it's taken a daily practice of listening to goddess, you know, just in the last couple of days, cause I was too stressed out to even remember to do that for most of the week. So I've only started doing that in the last couple of days. And, and when I yeah. eventually did remember, it was then that I started to breathe properly and, you know, feel this, the slowing because I'd actually gotten so tense that I was starting to get random weird pains around my torso. And Mm. um, I was not going, Oh, hello, you're an emotion. And off you go through me and having a glass of water. I was not (laughs) doing that this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all have those moments, you know, but you know, but today I was back to meditation in the morning and, feeling good that's good keep the meditation in the day you know yes 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 it's It's so helpful so centering and helpful yeah i agree i'm glad that it's getting you're easing up that you didn't allow the tense the tension to keep going and push yourself again well anything physical I did remember you telling me, <laughs> giving me yes. re- reading the, now you just be good to yourself. I told Hanukkah mm-hmm. all about it. Mm-hmm. So, she, so yeah, so I'm I did. sure she was there too. Well, she was just sure, kind right? of, she was just kind of watching. I could see her watching, watching me. 
how far is she going to go before I have to get in and step on her? <laughs> Which I've kind of been doing the same for her. Like it's been really incredibly busy at her work because one of her colleagues is on um, holidays. Yeah. This is the second week and they're rolling out new like equipment and software and it's been incredibly busy. And so I've been very, the last few days, especially since I started to feel better, I've been just making sure that she's okay. Like mm -hmm. and taking care of her, making sure that she has a really quiet, cozy space to be inside of when she gets home from work making sure she does her meditation. So like, I'm all about that. Yep. Looking after, forget about me. Just you go do this. Yeah. But, That's yeah. good though, that you guys have each other to kind of make sure yeah. of the other, you know? Yeah, it is nice. It is. Mm -hmm. So what's Garion's view this week, my darling? Okay, well, this week, Gary, he does get some more slack for his attempt with the rock. Like, they kind of just continue to pick on him a little. And <laughs> Mr. Wolf actually teaches him a little bit more in this chapter on how to use his power and helps him move the rock back to where it goes. And then they decide they're going to start moving out of the veil. And on their way, they um, meet the other sorcerers. Uh, well, a few of them. So mm -hmm. we get to see some of them. And then, you know, the, the people in the group, they learn a little bit more about themselves and like what's kind of going on based on the conversation that happens with mm -hmm. these wizards. Uh, I keep wanting to call them wizards because I see them in my mind and I still flash to the flight dragons. of the dragons <laughs> every time. And I think they're wizards in that. So they say wizards. I apologize. Yeah, that was about yeah. it. And we do look at the end, we do learn who the magician is. So, yes, the magician of magician's gambit. gambit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. So, chapter 12. When we come in at the start of chapter 12, Belgarath is asking Garion, why did you try to lift it? Speaking about the rock, of course. Mm hmm. Which is interesting because didn't he do the exact same thing when he was a boy and just try? Or did he, was he coached to do it? No, he did it. In, it was one of those instinctive, like it was his blast of instinctive magic. You know how Garion's been doing that all the way through, just doing stuff. Yeah. Without knowing how or why. That's what um, Mr. Wolf did with the rock. And so I can imagine that it was the same kind of thing, a complete piece of instinctive magic where you did what he did, what he had to do to move the rock and none of the consequences happened because he hadn't kind of taken it apart and wasn't trying to do anything specific. It was just like, this is what I need to do. And so the, mag the, the magic kind of made it so without him even having to know, like the things that Garion's done have been kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, and he didn't know how he did those. Mm -hmm. So that, I was so thinking about that, that today. Yeah. 
just that he put so much effort into it trying yeah. to like do step by step kind of thing yeah so as, is as what he's asking why yeah so they talked about they talk they start talking about you know um uh, Belgrade says why don't you just push it near the top it would have rolled over and um see I I I get a little bit mm, I'm a little bit I get a little bit irritated with Polgara in this conversation every time I read it I get irritated with her uh-huh. because she knows exactly what Garion has learned and what he hasn't learned and where the fuck does she get off saying didn't you realize the soft earth won't accept that kind of pressure why would he know? When has he been taught anything about that? Mm-hmm. To assume that he knows that. When, like, you have been around this child your whole life, his whole life. What's the... <laughs> where does that comment come from? I don't so I know. Get, I get a bit irritated with this conversation. With her, with Polgara specifically in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't... I don't know. I kind of didn't understand what, why it was such a big deal that they were talking about it in this kind of depth with him. Of, of why do you even try to do it? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why did you do this instead? Kind of stuff. Mm. Kind of like, to me, it's like, well, don't you expect that he's going to want to go try it out now that he knows he has it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so that was my thing. I was just kind of, okay. Okay interesting yeah conversation yeah so anyway so uh, and then Sinidra's just laughing her head off Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it was funny let's just admit that right now (laughs) he buried himself up to the armpits in the earth it's freaking funny (laughs) yeah yeah that would be a funny sight so Aunt Paul kind of rolls her eyes and shakes her head and says, oh, Father, you're going to have to explain a few things to him. He doesn't seem to have even the most rudimentary idea about the way forces react against each other. Mm-hmm. Ah, Paul. Fucking hell. <laughs> and then she gets smart about saying it's a good thing you didn't try to throw it. You throw yourself all the way back to Marigor. See, at that point, isn't that interesting? See, at that point, I'm like feeling like she's She's getting a little less pissy and she's just kind of like, oh, God, it's it's probably a good thing. Like, I feel like she's getting softer there, whereas it feels like you feel like she's getting really smart arsey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to know because you know, the author doesn't give too much of like what her expressions or her tone or anything. He just says that Aunt Paul said. So, Mm. you know, you kind of, I guess, discern your own. And I guess if, excuse me, I guess, isn't that, it's, that's why I love this. See, this right here is why I love reading books so much. So much more than watching really good television shows because this is different in my head and it's different in your head it's a different story for each of us completely different yeah i love that yeah it is it is really cool so mr wolf then just decides to 
Yeah, well, he listens to Aunt Pole and takes him. And they walk back towards his tower and, and towards the rock. And, mm -hmm. um, Gary is starting to just feel kind of foolish, like, yeah. like scolding him or something. And teasing and like, him and making fun. It's not my fault. I didn't know, but now I know, you know, kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So. And, um, and Will's like, yep, yeah, that's excellent. So, um, but maybe next time, you know, wait for some instruction before you start. That's probably a really good idea. <laughs> and did you put it back the way it was when you found it? Yeah. Uh, and he said no. So Bogo says, well, come on, everything is here for a reason. So let's go fix that. Um, and then they start talking about how the magic works. Because Garion says, you know, when I was gathering strength to move the rock, it seemed to flow in from every place into him when he was building the forts. Yeah. Bhagarath tells him that when we do something, we take the power to do it from our surroundings. So he explains, like, when he burned Shamdar, he actually gathered the heat from everything around him to conjure this fire to, like, throw out mm -hmm. Shamdar. And mm -hmm. uh, it's an interesting concept, you know, mm -hmm. thinking about and Garion's contrasting, thinking it all came from inside of him. No, Belgrass says no, we only it only comes from just inside of us when we create something. Mm -hmm. Which I think is uh I think that's nice. I think that's a lovely um little distinction. Yeah. It's like when he was telling him and Gary mentions like when he's telling him about unmaking something that you mm -hmm. never unmake something or you'll just you know destroyed basically yeah yeah and so and so gary sort of understands exactly how that happens now he's he's because belgara says you know nobody can carry around the amount of force inside them that it takes even to do the simplest thing so when we're performing magic we take it we draw it from everything around us and then gary like so that's what happens when you try to unmake something you pull all of this force in and then there's nowhere nothing to you can't do anything with it and so it just destroys you yeah mm -hmm. and belgrath observes that you know it's interesting his how garion's mind works because he understands the complex stuff but not the simple stuff yeah i think we talked about this before like that's often how it is <laughs> Like, especially yeah. trying to explain something really simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes sense because if it's simple, there's not really words to it. It's kind of like you have to experience it to understand it. Yes. Yeah, so that intuitive stuff that we just do because we know that that's what we do. Yeah. So Bhagarath tells him it's time to move the rock back and kind of guides him through how to do it uh -huh. <laughs> this part made me laugh because you know he's explaining to him like take it from everything around you but not me like, not, not me, me. 
yeah so gary are like instinctively knows okay i'll, I'll exclude him but i'll still get everything else uh-huh. which i thought was cool and yeah. um so he tells him to push out behind you and at the rock at the same time yeah and i'm glad so, gary and asked the question what do i push behind me because i was confused by that too like what uh-huh. does he mean exactly so i like that that he asked the question so yeah. there was explanation and it's like well, why don't I get squeezed up between everything <laughs> mm-hmm. was like, well tense yourself up <laughs> yeah and and put he tells him to put his hand on the rock and say the word <laughs> yep <laughs> then this one made me laugh because yeah. gary is so he puts his hand out and says push uh-huh. and then the rock he pushes the rock <laughs> but before I even got to Belgrath's response, I was laughing because I'm like, he said push. <laughs> you know. And that's and what Belgarath Bel- says, push. <laughs> right. He's like, doesn't that sound a little childish? I mean, we do have a reputation to upkeep as sorcerers. We don't want to use foolish language. You know? Well, my favorite line, can I read it? I have to read it. Yeah. After all, Garion, we do have a certain dignity to maintain, the old man said loftily. If we go around saying push or flop or things like that, no one's ever going to take us seriously. And I just yeah. laugh. I laugh at that every time. And then Garion uh-huh. starts laughing and he can't stop laughing. He just, just because he's exhausted from doing the magic. He's just he just can't stop laughing. Uh-huh. And Gar- right. Belgarath gets all gets all butt hurt and stalks. <laughs> he gets all offended. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a funny scene. So yeah, I mean the rocks back in place. Everything's good now. So they mm-hmm. go back, and Aunt Paul decides it's time for them to just mm-hmm. to move on. Well, so everything's packed up and. Yeah, it's ready to go. And um, Sinedra, meanwhile, has has um, seduced the little horse with lots and lots of apples. So, <laughs> so the cult's kind of following her around and just, just you know, in love with Sinedra of the apples now. And um, uh, Garion's like, well, you're going to make him sick and. You know, so he's sort of the way that he behaves. I wondered, like, so Garion says here, Garion tried to think of another suitable objection because Petar has said, no, they won't hurt him. And she's gone, no, apples are good for horses. And, and for, it says, for some reason, the sight of the little animal nuzzling at Sinedra offended him, though he couldn't exactly put his finger on why. Now, I've never, I've not thought too much about this uh-huh. before, except to think um, he, he's put out that the horse is no longer adoring him. That is what I thought. But it occurred to me this time when I read it, is is he, would he like to be the one nuzzling at Sinedra? Mm-hmm. What did you think? 
<laughs> yeah, well, when you pointed as I, I literally like read that line right as right before you started like pointing it out. And then as I read it, that was what crossed my mind too. It's like, oh, he's he's a little jealous that he's not the one, even though it's an animal, and obviously mm. there's nothing romantic there. It's still no. kind of like that closeness. Still, yeah, like he wants to have that closeness with her instead oh. of the bickering yeah. that they have. So that's the first time I've ever thought about it in that way. Yeah, it could go either way, but I feel like the author pointing it out in a way that he couldn't put his finger on why. Ah, uh-huh, yes. You know, points it more towards something a little yeah. bit yeah, yeah. bigger than just him being jealous of the horses and following after him. Very cool. Okay. So, um, so yes, they're, they're on their way and hmm, they meet, uh, they, they're going to meet the sorcerers. Silk asks about who they're going to meet and Belgrade says, my brothers. And Silk's like, oh, I've heard they're remarkable. And Aunt Paul's like, well, I think you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they're crotchety old men. With bad <laughs> habits. <she> says. <laughs> right. Although only one of them really is crotchety. If we exclude Belgrath, who is frequently crotchety. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just thinking that today, like the difference, because I always have kind of related Belgrath in my mind very much to Gandalf. Mm. But as I was reading this chapter, I was realizing, even though visually they kind of look the same to me, Mm. personality wise, Gandalf seems much more like relaxed and like more fun. Whereas Belgrath is, is like, you know, like you were just saying, with even with Garion, or he gets all butthurt about just Garion laughing, whereas Gandalf mm. would have kind of been like, you know, okay, mm. yeah, have your fun then, and mm. whatever. Yep, yep. There's always a, so, there's an underlying uh, seriousness about Belgrath, even though he's yep. got this roguish kind of almost silk-like personality that sits over the top. Sometimes he's got this serious sort of thing that underpins it all. Yeah. Yeah, so I had that realization today. Mm. And but then I, I... Sorry? You go ahead. I was going to move on to that. Okay. Well, I was going to talk about the... I was just going to say, and they have another little thing with the birds. I, that's what I was going to say. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just... I really liked this piece here. I thought it was really cool. Like, the idea of Gary and it, when he can, he notices Aunt Paul talking to them again. And so he starts to listen. And just by the simple act of shifting his awareness there, he yes. can start to hear it too. Yes. He's very aware of it. And then he just enjoys, like it's lost in it for a little bit. Yeah. Like listening to all of it, just in awe of all the different things these different birds say and stuff yeah. like that. So... Yeah, I just like the whole little break in it. Yeah, it's and beautiful. This, mm-hmm. And and Paul just irritates me again. <laughs> I, I just what is that? Looks at him gravely and says it's a beginning without bothering to explain 
Like, uh-huh. he's just trying to piss me off at this stage, I think. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I think she's... I feel like she's judgmental right now of Gary and the fact that... I don't know. Maybe she's just in a mood. (laughs) She's going through something. Maybe, maybe there's... Yeah. I see. It would be interesting... Like, I really enjoyed reading Polgara the Sorceress, which we will read at some stage in, like, 15 years or so. I don't know. But, no, not that long. But, you know. No. <laughs> but <laughs> I would really, like, this story from her point of view, I think would be really interesting. Right. Um, it's kind of like how um, Stephanie Meyer, I don't know that she ever published it. I think she did eventually how she wrote Twilight, but from Edward's perspective instead of Bella's. Isn't that the you new know? one that's out? It, I think it's out now, but by the time she actually published it, I just didn't care that much about Twilight. Yeah, so no, I, was like, yeah. I, I, I might read it one day. If it's like if is that what it is? Like it's the same story, but from Edward's point of view. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same book you're talking about, but that's one one of the big things that was at the end of that series, right as it ended, was that she was going to do that, but then it kind of took her a while to actually... Well, I'm pretty sure that she's just publishing new books and maybe that's it. Maybe so. If it's in the Twilight world, yeah. It's good. Okay, I might check that out. Yeah, but that would be cool to see. You know, with a book like this, it's kind of hard to just get every character's perspective. But no, no, I know. You know. But like for something like this, it's got such a like, like we've got a whole podcast where we talk what about a going chapter a week. Right that would be interesting. But I am like Belgarath the Sorceress and Pogara the Sorceress are great. This they're really good because it does give us their like it's their origin stories. So you're really right. gonna enjoy them when we get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, at the moment she's pissing me off, which happens. <laughs> and um, so Garion's still in the world of bird talk, um, and he doesn't notice the two silvery-haired men at first, and they're standing together underneath a tall tree, and they're identical. They're wearing identical blue robes. They've got long white hair. They're clean-shaven. And um, tell me that they they were not like replicated from Tweedledee and Tweedledum. No, <laughs> they're Alice not. They're, they're not small and tubby. They're, I mean, they're... I mean their personality, like their interactions, their personality. Their oh, I guess so. Yeah, because one of them will start a sentence, the other one will finish it. Yeah, but I I can't I can't no I've never equated them to Tweedledum and Tweedledee because well probably because Alice in Wonderland never had that greater place in my imagination Mm. this came before I really read um, Alice in Wonderland properly and I've never really like if you read Alice through the looking through the looking glass and what Alice Alice in Wonderland and like all of those stories Uh They're so bizarre that yeah. I just never connect. <laughs> like I never connect those characters with these characters. No, so no, no, I never have. 
Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I love, I don't, I don't know them inside out, but I do really enjoy them. And so like, I just thought, cause there's moments where the other dude, wizard, um, not wizard, sorcerer, <laughs> when the older guy comes out, he's like small and I forget yeah, the yeah, 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 Belden. And some, yeah, some of his interaction with the twins just kind of gave me the impression of like a Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Like just oh, the way okay. he dresses them, he kind of oh, just like, okay. you know, and they hand him the soup and he just dumps it on the ground and eats it. Well, that's Belden. So, Belden's special. I know. Um, but so, so Beltira and Belkira are the identical twin, the, the identical wizards. And they're very um, mild. They seem to be quite mild mannered and um, sweet. Uh, that's my impression of them. Then mm-hmm. um, someone, then they're all being, oh, okay. So then, so Beltira and Belkira start addressing the rest of the people, the rest of the party in turn, yeah. starting with Mandrel. Yeah. This is what I what I was referring to when like I feel like they all learned something about themselves here. Yes. So do you want to take this bit? Oh, sure. I mean, I don't I didn't most of them are really straightforward. Like obviously the night protector. Okay, that makes sense for Mandarellen. Mm-hmm. Um the guide is the Prince Prince Keldar is the guide. Mm-hmm. Silk. Yes. Um the dreadful bear is Beric. That makes sense. Um, the horse lord is Hetar. Uh-huh. And when they get to Dernick, though, it's like uh, the one who lives two lives. <laughs> the one with so two like, lives. So I was like, okay, does that mean he's going to die and come back? Or is there something else that gives him two lives? You know, is there like two of him somehow? You know, so I'm interested to find out mm-hmm. what that's about. Mm-hmm. And then Sinidra too is kind of interesting. I feel like she was kind of like, what the heck is they talking about when they dressed her as queen of the world? So they I do, just see, I see her, her and Garion together are going to rule the universe. Well, in my mind. They, they end with Bulgarian. The chosen one. The chosen Harry one. Harry Potter. Like, I mean, this is this is a chosen one story. It's yes, you know, we know that. And they do the like the Bened- the thing in his head. They put their hands on his head, and their voices sound in his mind. Hail, Belgarian, overlord and champion, hope of the world. Right. <laughs> yep. So we got some insight, at least on what really each of them has, Mm -hmm. the depth of what they have on this mission and what they're, you know, the power that they have within them, I guess, that they're not even aware of themselves, at least with Mm -hmm. some of them. The others are pretty straightforward, but. Yeah. And and then Belden, he's one of my absolute favorites, Belden trumps out saying that if it gets any more cloying he's gonna vomit because everyone's being sweet and noble and 
-hmm. And so give me your impression because it's a very specific kind of description. How does he mm -hmm. look in your head? Mm, there's actually a character that I can't figure out who or where he's from that I visualize with him. I can't figure it out right now. But yeah, just he's small and he's like bow-legged and like his skin is really knotty and he's, you know, he's got twigs and other foliage stuck in his beard and probably smells. <laughs> just looks kind of scroungy because he just does, you know, he lives in, in the earth or in, of the earth. So, you know, I don't imagine him to be uh, somebody that cares. Oh, they even addressed that bath part of it. He's like, oh, I think I got rained on a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah. You know? So he's like, all, so, he's all, he's all twisted up. His face is grotesque. He's got a hunched back, his arms, his shoulders are like massive huge and his arms sort of hang down below his knees and he's all kind of um deformed he's like a deformed dude i figured it out who i visual visualized in the animated aladdin the original animation when jafar contorts himself into that old man uh i think it's when he's he meets aladdin in the prison mm -hmm. or in the, mm -hmm. when he's in jail that's who i saw kind of but not oh, as not okay. as scary Okay, Not quite okay. That scary, but so a scary version of that. I might, I'll, might see if I can scrounge up a snapshot of that for the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's just ugly, gross. It's his. There's, let's see. Yeah, it's just it's just described as this grotesque caricature um, of a human human countenance. They're talking about his face. And um, obviously does not care about how he looks because it's just he doesn't like he's dirty and grotty and eats off the ground when he sends Belden and Beltira and Belkira off for food. Bring me some food, and they bring it. And he just dumps it all on the ground and eats it with his hands off the ground, spitting out larger pebbles when they when he comes across them. So yeah, this is the portrait we painted of him at the moment. Yeah, and what's interesting is, uh, you know, with this introduction, Belgrath's first um, response to him is to say, you seem to be in good humor today. Yeah, and he's not trying to be funny. <laughs> right. So that, I thought, I'm like, okay, well, then what is he like on a day that he's not? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> uh, but he asks him, what made you so cheerful? And he tells them that, that he saw Belzadar. Mm -hmm. So they get into that whole conversation, which I'll let you lead because I don't think I grasp it enough. Okay, so uh, right, so he is like really like what ha what you guys have buggered this up royally. Um, I thought you were going to keep an eye on 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 Belzadar, and how on earth did he get the orb? So he's like, what the what the f dudes and Belgarath says we think he used a child the orb won't strike an innocent and they describe him here as a dwarf so he's a deformed dwarf creature belton um 
and Belden says there's no such thing as an innocent. So he's not only like he's quite jaded in his opinions also, I think, you know, all men are born corrupt. <laughs> Lovely. And um, before we get into the uh, what happened with Belzadar, we probably should uh, touch on this, the, the, the way that he and Paul are with each other. Did you want to, how did you find that? I don't know. It just seems like um, how they've always interacted. It's how they show affection to each other, it seems like, in a strange way. Because at first, when he insults her, says you're getting fat, your hips are as wide as an ox cart, and Dernick, like, reacts to, like all <laughs> trying to ready to stand up for her uh-huh. but then Belden laughs you know um so you get the sense that this is kind of like a joke to him and mm. when he addresses aunt pole of like um i don't know where i can't find the line well they insult but- each other back and forth until she and like Sinedra's run off with her face blazing and they're all, all of them are standing around like blenching and like grimacing, like, oh my God, the, the insults they're throwing at each other. And finally, Paul delivers one so horrible that he just falls on the ground and laughs with appreciation and says, there's, that's my, there's my girl. That's my girl. I was afraid the years had taken off your edge. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems just like a loving interaction mm-hmm. they have towards like, you know, some relationships are just that way. The others don't understand it. That's just how they do it. Yep. Yep. Oh, and at, right at the end, he says, by the gods of mystery pole, come here and give me a kiss yeah so let's see so and then so Belgrad's like where have you been and uh Belden says he's been in central Thormegos sitting on top of a hill since the battle of Vomimba 500 <laughs> years ago mm-hmm. um keeping an eye on old Bert face he calls him Torak he saw Belzadar about a month ago he came into the cave like tore into the cave, pulled Torak out, changed himself into a vulture and flew off with the body. Now I'll touch on this a bit later about that specifically, just, but, um, and so Belgareth says that must have been right after Ktuchik caught Zadar at the Nearson border and took the orb away from him. So that would be around the same time that Silk and Belgarath were off by themselves searching for Zeta mm. before they came back. And remember, as they were coming back, there was all the ash falling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and because Bel- Belden says, did, all, did any of the ashes fall on you? And apparently when Zeta took Torak out of the cave, the mountain exploded and um, Belden sort of guesses it has something to do with the force surrounding Torak's body and mm-hmm. moving that and disrupting that force. 
So there, there was never any sign of Torex stirring, not in the whole 500 years. In fact, when Zayda brought him out of the cave, there was mold growing on him. And Belga asked, like, well, did you follow them? And where did he take Torak? And Belden's delightfully insulting, calls him an idiot, where do you think? Um, to the ruins of Kthol Mishrak in Malaria. Now, don't worry about these names too much. That it's just like you can look at the map if you want to, but this stuff will be later and it will make sense. It'll make more sense later after we sort of travel into that part of the world. Don't worry about mm -hmm. it. Okay. And the reason that he, I think he's called him an idiot, says, Where do you think? is because there are only a few places on earth that will bear Torax weight, and that is one of them. Now, the thing I was going to touch on was, okay, so if there are only a few places in the world that will bear Torax weight, and he managed to turn himself into a vulture to carry him away, I don't imagine a vulture could carry something much bigger than a human being. So yeah. we're assuming Torax is about the size of a human being, unless it was some sort of magical vulture, super-powered mm -hmm to carry a god and so i was thinking about it today i think it's a combination of things happening the way they need to happen so there must be some sort of prophecy energy in there as well um because if it's happening it must be happening to one of the prophecies is it you know and i think the weight that they're talking about is uh like spiritual weight yeah you know how like that's, there are ley lines in uh -huh. the earth and places where the energy is stronger it... right so he's I think... too heavy because of the dark energy is the way i took it like he's just dark energy yeah it's heavier than yeah. my mind anyways yeah cool uh -huh. okay cool and so the one that turns into the vulture though that's Zedar? Zedar, yeah. Okay. So Zedar stole the orb. Ktuchik mm -hmm. stole the orb from Zedar. Okay. And he has it right now. And he has it right now. So Zedar has Zedar has Torak. Ktuchik has the orb. Okay. And Ktuchik's the one trying to get to Maloria. How, how do you say it? Malaria. Malaria. No. Zayda has taken Torak to Malaria. Because that's the only place that can hold something like him. One of the only places. Yeah, Kthol Mishrak is a ruin. Okay. The ruins in, of Kthol Mishrak. And I'm, I'm searching my mind. I think it's where Torak's palace was. Like he had a tower there. He had some sort of thing there, I think. When he walked okay. the earth. I think that was like his place. Okay. Because because Zeta will have to keep Tuchik and the orb away from Torak. And that's the only place he could go. Because the Malarian Grollums refuse like they they don't acknowledge Tuchik's authority as like head hoo-ha of the Grollums. 
And so Zeta and Torak will be safe there because Ketuchik has no power there. Yeah. So Ketuchik is in charge of all the Grolems, it sounds mm. like, except for the ones in Thormishrak. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I assume it will help once I actually see these areas, you know, firsthand. Yes. And... Yeah. Okay. So have we'll have a look at the map, um, if you like. I'll put a little um, peep of Malaria, Maloria. Malaria? The Malaria. Yeah. Malo That's where Malaria. we're going next, right? Yes. The next uh, part. The next no, the next part they're going to um Ulgo. Oh, okay, okay. That's right. So they go to Ulgo first. Let's have a look. And then he starts saying, okay. Now you're gonna have to do something about Garion because he's already said something about him, you know, making so much noise. He's just crashing through the world. He just doesn't have time. Paul's like, well, you know, he's just learning. He's just starting. And Belden's like, we well, just have time to be a baby. Is he gonna be ready or what? Yep. She assures him he'll be ready, but he doesn't seem to believe that very much. Mm -hmm. So he. He and the twins have work to do, apparently. Aldur's human tasks to do. Belden mentions another place here, Rakthol. Rakthol is where Ktuchik is. Okay. So he immediately is like, are you going after Ktuchik now to get the orb? Mm -hmm. That's what he's asking there. Yeah. And, Bel and Belgareth is, <clears throat> says, no, we've got to go to Prolgu first to talk to the Gorum. So the Gorum is the leader of the Ulgos. Okay. And then they say, same, he says something interesting. Oh, I noticed that your group wasn't complete yet. What about the last one? Did you catch that? Yeah, well, I saw, yeah, he says, we've got to pick up another member of the party too. Mm -hmm. So he actually tells him, but yeah, it's interesting to see who it'll be. And Belgarath is worried because he's been searching for 3,000 years and hasn't been able mm. to find this person. He says it's a her, too. So. Uh, yes, true. I don't know. Uh, is it Belded? Belden? Belden that tells him that he spent too much time looking in alehouses? <laughs> yes, it is. Is he joking? <laughs> Or is well, he serious? Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Paul agrees with him about it. So I'm mm -hmm. wondering. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. See, this is one of those uh, places is where that, I... is that a hint that we should yeah. I should be thinking, or well, why would he look in alehouses for this person that's a woman and oh, she's okay. not maybe not even a person, maybe she's a something else. <laughs> I don't okay. know. Interesting. Well, I know Belgarath, so I can't really comment because... Yeah, it's fine. Um, I'll find out. Yeah. Since they're going to look for her next, so... So, um, and we end, and so then after Progu, they're going to head off to Rakthol because Belgarath wants to have a little talk with Kjuchik and get the orb because he's been meaning to 
have a pointed discussion with the magician yep. of the Mergos for a long, long time. Something a little bit mm, dum, 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 about that. Yeah. So I'm excited to get into this next place. So. <laughs> That'll be fun. So the next next week, the next episode, we're into part three of the book. Orgo. They go into Orgo Land. It's a very creative name. Orgo Land. <laughs> Sorry. That was a little bit pissed, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit snarky, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> I've had a week. Orgo Land. I've had a week. Not similar to Disneyland in any way. <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> it sounds like, you know, Oogle, like Disneyland has Tomorrowland. And what if it had Oogle? Oh, how do you say it? Oogle. Oogle Land. Oogle. Like Oogle. <laughs> like that, that's not right. Oogle. 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 Named for the god Oogle. Yeah. I feel like the words in this the story are better suited for non-Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I try to pronounce them and I just sound like cool. They, like they sound good in your head though, don't they? Mm -hmm. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Sometimes even in my head, I'm like <laughs> twisting it. Like, ah, I don't know. I'll just pass it by. Forget it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so magic. What's your magic? Um, Garion being able to use all the energy around him, except he excludes Wolf in that. <laughs> I thought that was cool how Wolf just says, no, don't take it from me. And then instantly he just like, boop, like walks yep. him out of it and continues on. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that is cool. Well, my magic is the mountain blowing up when Torak was removed. I love that uh, the way that the force, the energetic forces are, are considered. Um, yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I love what, I love that little discussion we had about the, the dark energy being heavy and only so many mm -hmm. places and being able to hold that. I really like that. Yeah. It is really cool. Yeah. What about real, real reality? A little bit of reality to go with the magic. Uh, well, I mentioned this a little bit. I really resonated with Garion um, when he started tuning into the birds and they're talking. Because mm -hmm. it was like, all he had to do is shift his awareness to be in that moment and to listen and he could hear. And oh, I've had moments. That's so appropriate for you at the moment. Well, for everyone, really, at any moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had a lot of moments recently, like sitting outside, I'll just, I'll get really present and I zone usually, and I'll notice too, like, as I do it, all of a sudden, like the wind will pick up. And I just, for me, it's the wind. Sometimes there's birds chirping. We do have birds chirp and stuff, but usually for me, it's the wind or the breeze. I'll mm -hmm. just instantly zone in on it. And I feel like, communicating with me in that mm -hmm. moment like yes you're doing it like keep doing it <laughs> oh that's beautiful i love that elemental yeah. magic mm -hmm. okay my uh bit of reality is doing something difficult for the first time and feeling like a fool for getting it wrong mm -hmm. 
which is kind of what I think we all know that too I hated that that happened to me like that stopped me from doing so many things being afraid to get it wrong yeah yeah I think everybody has been there at some point I know I have yeah okay prophecy speaks Would you like to go first? Or would you like yeah, me to can go, go. First? Okay. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you go. Okay. I am just asking for some guidance on this topic. I already know that it feels right to me, but I just want some guidance. But that is around my recent feelings of settling into the idea of no longer needing a job or a business <laughs> i almost feel like scared saying that out loud <laughs> um, well it's not something that you would hear from many people no that's, that's a courageous statement yeah so i'm using um the scorch trials which is the second book in the maze runner series by Dane, james dashner it just seemed like a fitting the title because that's kind of what I felt like I could with <laughs> Even though I described it as like really beautiful and peaceful, it was kind of like scorching. Oh yeah, a burned a lot of old stuff. Yeah, so that's what I'm using. I'll see what I get. So just guidance on this feeling. Let's see. She took advantage of the brief moment and somehow yanked the man around again so that he lay on his stomach flat on the floor. She grabbed his arm and pinned them behind him, pushing him up in a way that looked incredibly painful. The crank wrenched and thrashed, the crank being the man, um, but Brenda had him pinned with her legs as well. He started screaming a horrific piercing wail of pure terror. We have to kill him, she yelled over it. Uh, Thomas had gotten to his knees and was looking on, looking on in a stupor of inaction. What, he asked, drugged with exhaustion, too stunned to process her words. Get the knife, we have to kill him. The crank kept screaming, a, a sound that made Thomas want to run as far as possible. It was unnatural, inhuman. Thomas, Brenda yelled. Thomas crawled over the knife, over to the knife, picked it up, looked at the crimson goo on its sharp blade. He turned back to Brenda. Hurry, she said, her eyes lit with anger. Something told him that her anger was no longer just for the crank. She was mad at him for taking so long. But could he do this? Could he kill a man, even a crazed lunatic of a man who wanted him dead? Who wanted his shuck nose for crying out loud? Uh, he shambled back to her holding the knife as if it were tipped with poison, as if just holding it might make him catch a hundred diseases and he die a slow and agonizing death. Okay, that's like the whole page. So 
the crank they're referring to is like a man who's been changed kind of like in the walking dead like if, if you were to get bit by him or something you could turn to so it's like a scene of uh brenda and thomas trying to kill this thing or at least brenda's trying to kill it okay did you get anything out of it because i did um I know that I'm Thomas in the scene. I got that much out of it. I felt I was Thomas. I mean, he is the protagonist in this, but. Um, so go over your question again. You want guidance on your recent feelings of settling into the idea. Mm -hmm. um, that. I don't know. I'm at a loss. I don't know. What did you get? Um, the crank mm -hmm. is the idea that okay. you're trying to get past. And as you say, you're Thomas and you don't want to kill him. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's still maybe some holding on to the idea. Well, I definitely uh, think so. Like this is this is a pretty rebellious kind of idea. It is. And so it makes sense that there's something there. Like there's hesitation. There's a. There, it, and it, it feels poisoned. Like the way. Like in order to free yourself of the hold that this idea of the way that you should be holds mm -hmm. you, you know, something over here is saying you have to kill it and you've got the implement that would kill it. And you're kind of like, it feels poisoned. Like I don't want to hold it. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel that 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 makes sense. And I would think that like me being Thomas holding the knife that way or something would be like, like I said, when I said it out loud, it still felt really scary. Yeah, because I think my hesitation, I already know it feels right. And I've already gotten guidance on something that would kind of take me in that direction that would I would still be able to make money without either. And um, it's been, and it came from a source, my cousin, who I trust and love dearly that I know mm -hmm. he's been doing it and he's, he's had success and he's going to show me the path. So I'm kind of like, all of this came up too, after the day I, I did that mm -hmm. journey I talked to you about, mm -hmm. got a text from him Great. and I'm like, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so it is, yeah, it is that just, um, so maybe it's the owning it aspect that is yeah. the scary part. Yeah, because when I say I don't need a, obviously I don't need a job. When I say a business, I'm talking about business in the traditional sense. Like I would, I'm still open, you know, to. So, you know what? I would, uh, my, my suggestion. Go away and phrase this phrase what 
you do, your lifestyle choice without saying, I no longer want to blah, mm -hmm. but turn towards what you do want and say, this is what I mm -hmm. have or do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So shift yeah. your focus and find the words that describe that. Yeah, I am. I am living. I am living free, basically, hmm. because they need, they you don't need you don't need qualifications. You don't need justification. And yet, when you phrase it this way, you're trying to do that to yourself, to the inner voice. You're trying to justify things to yourself mm -hmm. before anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That's what I got anyway. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Definitely feels right. Mm. Yeah, big stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I am. Uh, okay. So my question, I had a, <laughs> a two-parter. I numbered them. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon numbered them. This is how ah, stressed out I've been. So, okay, so, so meditation this morning. Um, let me just read the thing. I'll read it straight off the sheet. What do I need to let go of in order to allow myself to follow the guidance given to me in meditation this morning and write? All the books goddess seems to want me to write because she was quite clear and a little bit pissed a little bit like i'm giving you all these freaking ideas where are my books <laughs> she was very kind though we sat together in the gazebo in my backyard mm -hmm. and she just told me to stop trying enjoy the sun on my face Enjoy the yeah. afternoon sun on my face. And I immediately said, but afternoon sun, it's not the right time of year. And, and shouldn't it be morning sun? Or, or... And she's like, stop that. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the sun on your face. So, mm -hmm. okay, so what do I need to get rid of? And why the bloody hell haven't I let it go yet? The book I'm using is The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. Looks like a really good book. Okay. The first thing I did in the darkness was to feel around the surface of the well bottom with the tip of my shoe still holding onto the ladder in case there was something down there I had to get away from. <laughs> After making sure there was no water and nothing of a suspicious nature, I stepped onto the ground. Setting my pack down, I felt for the zip and took out my torch. The glow of the light gave me my first clear view of the place. The surface of the ground was neither very hard nor very soft. Unfortunately, the earth was dry. 
A few rocks lay scattered where people must have thrown them in. The one other thing that had fallen to the bottom was an old crisp packet. Illuminated by the torch, the well bottom reminded me of the surface of the moon as I had seen it on television so long ago. So I need to let go of the ladder because there's nothing scary there. I can just get out my torch and have a look around and follow the beam of the torch. Number one. Why? Okay. Number two. Why haven't I bloody well let go of it yet? Why is that? Why is that? Shall I keep reading or find another place? I don't keep reading. The well's cylindrical concrete wall was blank and smooth with few irregularities other than some clumps of moss-like stuff growing here and there. It shot straight upwards like a chimney with the little half moon of light at the opening far above. Looking directly up, I could now, I could now grasp how very deep the well was. I gave the rope ladder another hard tug in my hands, it felt firm and reassuring. As long as it remained in place, I could go back to the surface anytime I wanted. Next, I took a deep breath. Apart from a slight smell of mold, there was nothing wrong with the air. My greatest worry had been the air. The air at the bottom of a well tends to stagnate and dry wells can have poison gases that seep from the earth. Long before, I had read in the paper about a well digger who lost his life from methane gas at the bottom of a well. Taking a breath, I sat on the floor of the well with my back against the wall. I closed my eyes and let my body become accustomed to the place. All right then, I thought. Here I am in the bottom of a well. <laughs> oh my god oh my goddess why haven't i bloody well let go of it yet because i'm afraid that i'll be poisoned and it, it'll just I won't be able to get out. Mm -hmm. I won't be able to unmake the choice. Yeah. And why would that be a bad thing is the question. <laughs> you know? Ask me the question again. Why would it be a bad thing if you couldn't come back out? Like if, if you thought what you did was write your books, you know? Well, nothing, according to this answer. I can just comfortably sit there and be at the bottom of the well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Deep, deep well. And look up and still see the light. Mm -hmm. And still get out if I want to. And just be. Take my time. Yeah. It is. I guess it's it's true that it can feel just like that when you get lost into writing a book, you know, that's how it's supposed 
to be that's you know that's part of it yeah you got that it. is the, the the focus of the going down deep 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 into the story and mm -hmm. each time every time yeah so that was pretty good reading i think mm -hmm. yeah it was it was So, darling listeners, if you have not done your own Prophecy Speaks yet, bloody go and do it. We would love to hear how the experience goes for you. We would really love that. Yeah, you can share it with us if you and feel comfortable. Absolutely. And I'll tell you how you can share stuff with us in just a minute. Um, but also, if you are... Uh, part of Polgara's flock if you are a five five dollar patron you can ask us to do a reading for you we will do mm -hmm. you can ask a prophecy speaks question and we will do a reading for you you're allowed to do that so get on into the patreon feed and send us a message yes oh, okay so whew, that was done that was prophecy speaks now do you have a prediction for the next chapter? Last week mm -hmm. you said, Garion will be teased for his attempt to move the rock. Maybe have a conversation with Aldir about it. The group will continue on their adventure. That's pretty spot on, except for the Aldir bit. You sw switched that with Belgorath? No. <laughs> yeah, it was. I didn't realize Aldir was just going to kind of like peace out so fast, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Mm -hmm. um next chapter i i think that we'll maybe get to see some action it's been really mellow for a while so maybe it's time for that or or a confrontation of some kind whether within the group or they meet somebody else and uh maybe meet or at least get a clue another clue of who this additional party member could be this woman okay or hers they refer to her and they'll leave the veil obviously I hope okay. so. Cool. Well, yeah, they're all on their way out, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. Spilled soup. No. <laughs> uh, um, it was stew. No, stew. One of the insults. Big cow? Does he, does he call her a big cow? Hey, darling listeners, this is Sandra interrupting the end of the show, the hashtag um, section, because I think that spilled stew is a really good hashtag. So please feel free to hit us up with either hashtag that we mention in the show today. Okay, we're going to use Big Cow. Okay. Which is one of the insults that Belden hurls at Pogara because Pogara pissed me off this week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we have uh, so a special announcement this week is where 
we last week we decided last episode we decided that we would go ahead with the transition from Facebook and probably also Instagram to Patreon um, because we can put our posts in Patreon. You can follow us on Patreon. You do not need to be a paying subscriber because I will put all of the posts that I would usually put in um, Facebook, like the episode announcements, the little random bits and pieces, you will still be able to access that in the Patreon feed. And you can download the app to your phone, to your mobile device. You can, it's got a website. You can go on the website on your desktop. And you can just f- flick through the feed like you would uh, your Facebook feed, you know, flick, flick, flick. It's just that now what you're on is the Belgarian and Beyond feed. And so we can start putting more bits and pieces in there. And obviously paying patrons get to see more stuff, but all of the free stuff will still be there for you to like and comment on, you know, just like you would on any of the other social media feeds. If you've got any questions, please feel free to send us an email. I'm not sure that, I'll have to check. I'll have to check the restrictions around private messaging on Patreon. I'm not sure if you have to be a paid member to send us private messages there, but you can always, always use our email address to send us messages um, to contact us. So you will find all of the extended show notes on our website, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. You'll find a link to the extended show notes in the post that I will put on our free Patreon feed, which I will share onto the Facebook page. And I'm not sure how long that will continue um, just because I want people to come over and I want you to come and comment and have the conversations on Patreon, not on Facebook, because I want to spend less and less time on Facebook. That's the whole point of this. Right. That's what we're both doing. So we're going to be on Patreon now. You know, we'll still check in at Facebook here and there, at least for me here and there. I think Sandra checks more often than I do. Yeah, well, I've Um, got, yeah, I've got other business stuff on there that I've got to check, so. Yeah, so it'll just be a lot more engagement if you come over to to Patreon, especially as time goes on. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's pretty quiet there at the moment, but yeah. you know, there's more, that's where we're going to put all of our stuff. So, you know, like patrons get to um, get extra stuff so that you get the two, our $2 patrons, Garion's gang, you get, you know, bonus episodes. So like it's a whole other podcast called Before the Show and it's all the stuff we talk about before and after the show. And the conversation is wide and varying, sometimes deep, sometimes silly, sometimes profane. Um yeah. And it's kind and mostly like an extended, a very loose, holistic counselling session back and forth between the two of us on our spiritual lives and our day-to-day stuff and how we get through the stuff that we need to get through. It's, you know, a more focused, intimate, raw conversation. Like we talk about stuff on there that um, is private. And yeah. so, um, you know, our patrons know us pretty well. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Probably better than they want to sometimes. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, so, so 
come and come and come over if you haven't got patreon on your, on your mobile device yet put it on there come over say hi in one of the posts that would be great and so of course all of this patreon talk this show is an indie production <laughs> so the best way that you can show your support for the show is to become a patron which you can do for two bucks a month that's not a lot you can get access to bonus show bonus episodes before the show like i was saying and lots of other behind the curtain stuff we're starting to put little videos on that show little personal insights which only stay up for 24 hours and they're only for patrons so if you're a patron and you haven't been keeping an eye on our patreon feed you might have missed some stuff (laughs) um and so yeah that's about it. But I'll have links for everything in the show notes. You can always find a link to get to wherever you want to go. Oh, and our, our email is belgarriedandbeyond at gmail.com. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. That's the end of the Thank show. Thank you for all of the information, you know, informing them of all of that. And yeah, we're at the end. It's time to say goodbye. <laughs> next week i feel like i want to sing a song like i know like um mr rogers Did yeah like, mr. An rogers? Outch, like an ouch like i feel like i need to put on a <laughs> dinosaur suit or something and mm-hmm. sing us out yeah i won't i promise <laughs> <laughs> yes thanks for listening thanks for hanging out with us for this whole episode be back next week guys casey Talk to you then.